We have a special guest on today, my good friend Tyler Tomaszewski. He's a songwriter, he's a musician, he's an excellent guitarist. We've played in bands together, we've written music together. Arguably the most fun I've had playing live was in Shaggy vs. the Tank Tops. He was the guitarist for that band. He chose the song, Show Me on the Doll Where the Music Touched You, by the band Red City Radio. Great song, great band, and we had a great conversation. time ago a couple of times but i don't think we really had any conversations about much at least that i recall no no i don't i i don't think so and and then i saw you once here um oh yeah we were Didn't all you here do background vocals for oh that yeah Christmas that's thing? what it was i was yeah, trying to think, i was just yeah. listening to that today too yeah oh really that was yeah. fun <laughs> yeah, that was a blast we had a bunch of people down here for that yeah i had lost my voice because the night before i i think that two days or the night before we were at like a show or something and I was kind of bummed because I was really excited to scream into a microphone. I had never done it before. <laughs> and so then when I got to do it, I like couldn't do it. But that was cool. You guys were... Dude, really one of the that. most fun things about Shaggy when we would record is doing the gang vocals, man. We had a bunch of gang vox all over them. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We like Even the snaps and the claps on the first record, yeah, yeah. that was a lot of fun too. But yeah. yeah, that Christmas thing that you sang on too, Yeah. that's like a... That's like a breath of fresh air at Christmas time for me. It's yeah. like a Hallmark movie to a baby boomer, man. Yeah. You know, I it's funny when I listen to it now, I wish so badly that I could go back and re-record the guitars because even though I love the the arrangement of the songs, I <clears throat> since then I, I had always struggled with my guitar tone to have um Nate Sawyer and I would listen to songs and it would feel like it had this pressure in it. And that was the best way we could describe it. And we weren't really achieving it. And I wasn't getting it in my mixes either. And it was mostly, it felt like the mids just didn't have balls in them and it would create this pressure. And I changed my guitar speaker. It was the speaker in my amp. When I changed that and then began recording like the outlet album that we most recently did, that actually has that pressure that I had been chasing and maybe a recording or two before that but it was this moment I had this I had this just moment where I was just elated I found it I found it baby <laughs> yeah on to the yeah. next one now yeah <laughs> but guitars are so tricky like it, that. it is the speaker dude I, I tried cables I tried a different guitar I tried different amp settings I tried different plugins it turned out the speaker like I had different mic angles in the speaker it was amazing. So now when I hear anything that I released prior to that, and it's got that a little <laughs> bit of emptiness to it, I just want to go back and re-record them, but uh, I won't because yeah, you shouldn't. it's stuck in time, man. Yeah. It's just, it's, it's like you listen to it and you're like, oh yeah, that's where I was at It shows the progression of your skills. And yeah. I mean, that's where you and I completely differ. Like I went to school for recording and I learned a lot of stuff. And I remember maybe like 10 years ago or whatever, I gave you my books. I was like... I would never get to the point of changing out chords, amplifiers, speakers, whatever. I'd just be like, "Yeah, it's good enough." I don't know. I like <laughs> I my my ear my ears are all shot from playing loud music live so much that it's like it's very frustrating for me. Like, I don't mean to bring it down, but like I, I it's 
very apparent that I'm missing probably like diff, like different percentages of frequencies in each ear. Yeah. So so it's just like mixing. Even back then, mixing was just so frustrating because like I'm not hearing something somebody else is. And you were you were able to. You really are diligent with every skill that you kind of try to. <laughs> go for you really go 150 percent and like figure every little thing out whereas i'm like eh, nah, i'm good yeah mm. that that annoys the hell out of my wife <laughs> so it it it's really it is a blessing and a curse because it's a perfectionist side of me that i recognize often too late into the thing that i'm doing like we we had uh it's actually been really cool the last couple of days um my daughter saw this video where somebody tried making a Bob Ross painting with only listening to the audio. And I don't know if you, I don't know if you've ever, have you ever watched Bob Ross paint? Yeah. Yeah. It, it is, uh, it is amazing. It, it's, it's watching somebody that is passionate and really good at what they do from start to finish is he's just so pleasant. It's unbelievable. Well. <laughs> and he, and, and he's he, really good <laughs> at almost every episode. He takes his brush when he goes to clean it, and he's like, no, this is the best part. And then he cleans it, and then he whacks it, <laughs> whacks it against the, the, uh, the, the easel down at the bottom, and then he'll like, look at the camera, and he like, does this little soft chuckle. <laughs> you beat the devil out of it. <laughs> it's, just, it's, it's amazing, though, what he, what he does in such a little time. But anyway, uh, uh, my daughter has the perfectionist side in her as well, and so we're, we're watching, we watched like three episodes of it, Charlie, Brian, Annalie, and me, and they didn't move. They didn't go to grab their phone, just glued to the, to the episodes. It was quite amazing, actually. Mm -hmm. So my wife went and bought some canvases and paint, and we all did what that, we all just listened to the audio and painted, and Annalie and I are just sitting there trying as hard as we can to be really good at something <laughs> that we're not, and it's frustrating. But uh, my daughter's got a little bit of that, but it is, uh, I, I appreciate what you said, but it, it goes back to where, like, I can't not do that. I would I would feel this kind of incompletion. It'd be it'd be right. I don't know. And I feel that on some other skills, it was just um, I definitely have that somewhat of a perfectionist thing, and more like pedantic. Like no, it's got to be just right. Like yeah, I don't know about. <laughs> but but with music, that was kind of again not to bring it down, but it was kind of so disappointing that like my tools were just. I shot them before I could really use them. So it was just so like, mm -hmm. that's why with the first Cutting Room Floor album, when I came to you, it was like, you were like a savior because we had been working on that for like two, three years. And I had all the equipment, all the stuff, a whole studio set up and we were tracking and I was trying to mix and I, I couldn't make heads or tails of it. Whereas you came in and just like nailed it. And it was like, man, this, this sounds like a record now. This really sounds good. Well, I appreciate that because you're a better guitarist, singer, <laughs> and songwriter than I am. And so I'll take the being able to mix it <laughs> just fine. Yeah, but, I love performing. But That's you are, like. you're, yeah. It was funny. When I first saw you do that, I was like, I have got to play music with this guy. And I felt like in Shaggy, why that, there are many, many layers of why that was um, the most fun I've ever had, uh, probably with anything in music, not just playing live, when you talk about fun. Um, part of it was, uh, I was the worst musician. And being surrounded by a guitarist like you, who also has a knack for writing second guitar parts, 
that just when I would write something and then what you would put on it would completely elevate the music. And then Kyle is the only drummer that I have ever played with that could actually play a punk beat. And growing up listening to punk and loving punk and never having the ability to be able to play it with anybody was like, wait a second, this is a game changer. Mm -hmm. Phenomenal musician. And then Zach March, I mean, on bass. He he can really really do anything musical. Mm -hmm. Um, Just total natural at it understands the music and so like it was fun because i felt like the place that i was in was like i'm surrounded by better musicians that can take (laughs) these songs to where they need to go and it was uh uh, what a cool what a cool time in life that was man yeah i feel exactly the same way about me being a better musician than you Um, (laughs) (laughs) no dude you have the chops you like that's the thing though like don't take this the wrong way but whatever whatever little bit you may lack in talent, you make up tenfold in ambition. Mm -hmm. Like, it's just so, whenever you would, I could see whenever you would bring a riff to us and it's just this, (laughs) Kyle and I would just look at each other like, try it out. Yep. And then we'd make it into something. (laughs) It was like, okay, this is actually really awesome. Yeah. So I don't think there were even any times where it didn't turn into something enjoyable for us. I mean, it is challenging to listen to for a lot of people. Yeah. It's not as accessible, but it it was very fun for us as musicians and songwriters to, and to be able to contribute so organically. Mm -hmm. I would put it, I would put it though, is listening to the album is kind of like listening to a 68 album for me. Now I would so much rather see him live and maybe never even put the album on. I mean, not never, but I would so much rather see him live. And, and I think for most people that would have heard Shaggy probably would have been like, yeah, it was like a circus watching it live, but yeah, I don't need to put it on in the car. Yeah. So, but, I, <clears throat> but I listened. I, I always <laughs> put it on. Yeah. I literally, yeah, I've listened to that album quite a bit. It's funny when we were, when I was listening to these songs, I, did you write the song Slow Turtles on the Shaggy album? Do you remember that song? Fastest Turtles? Fastest Turtles. I'm so I, no, glad I, I butchered that m- title. Most of, the, most of the ideas I came up with and brought, and then if it sounds awesome or has any semblance of like you know chemistry musically, it was all Tyler and Kyle that took it to the level it took it at. But yeah. most of like the root things yeah the chord progressions and stuff yeah Yeah, like like that's that was all brandon but so like and and the riffage too for the most mm -hmm. part too but like i my thing is the the leads over the top with the with the um octave guitar leads and stuff and every once in a while your idea would take it to a different it would take it to a different place where it would adjust the thing so it's it's hard to explain unless you're kind of in the middle of it because there we didn't have any verse chorusy songs we had maybe a couple i shouldn't say we didn't have any but a lot of them it would just go from part to part and sometimes it was because you or kyle just did something awesome and it took us there and we wrote in the moment even you know mm-hmm. yeah i think one of my favorite one of my favorite moments and i can't remember exactly how it went and i i think i thought of it but the in uh, the fiat currency one the oh, it was definitely you. That was totally you. Because <laughs> it's about like credit, <laughs> credit, and, yeah. Like uh, anyway, it fit the thing, and then charge it, mm-hmm. yeah. And then was, that yeah. SNL sketch, sketch with the I am Anthony Peter Coleman, yeah. And then the other one, shot till you drop. Uh-huh. I'm like, hey, wait, did that? That's a whole dude. Other there's level a of- there's a scene in the Flintstones 
even that has charge it. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. And it has that little <laughs> dun dun There's there's a few things, but it was what's funny is in the moment I, I actually noticed it years later. But the movie had come out way before, so it may be something subliminally in there. But anyway, dude, that happens all the time. It I th- does. I thought I made that up. Like no. I'll say, I've no. I say it, that every couple of months. I thought I made that up. <laughs> I thought I thought that was a thing that oh, I yeah. discovered. Yeah, yeah. Memory is so weird. Well, I I I want to say. Uh, I did not get much sleep last night because I was actually genuinely excited to do this day. And I get kind of motivated on the weekends anyway to get some stuff done around the house. But like, dude, I woke, I, I, I couldn't fall asleep, woke up pretty early and I was just really jacked to do this. And now it's only 7.30 and I feel like I should have got more sleep. But... Um, you got black tea? Is that, <laughs> there's some caffeine God. in that. No, no. I, you know what? There's another tea bag upstairs that does have caffeine in it. I should go. probably switch to caffeinated. Yeah, I've got some French roast going. But, dude, I, 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 getting, into, getting into the song now by Red City Radio, Show Me on the Doll Where the Music Touched You, which is quite an amazing song title in and I of get itself. goosebumps just when you say the name of the song. Yeah. Honestly, it's... it's there have been several songs before that one that have hit me like that, but but for some reason I even wrote it down because I was like, "What are goosebumps?" The scientific <laughs> term is cutis and serina, better known as goosebumps, a temporary lo- local change in the skin when it becomes rougher due to erection of little muscles, erectoris pilorum, as from cold, fear, or excitement. And excitement is the one that I get from this song. Mm-hmm. And oh my God, I just remember the first, my buddy Mike Bros. I don't know if you know Mike Bros. He, uh-uh. He's played in several, right now he's in Faster, Faster, Faster. Uh, he used to be in The Bitter Half with some other friends. And um, he's just part of the Janesville music scene kind of uh, over the last couple decades, I guess. And um, he used to hang out with Green Day in the 90s when they play here and stuff. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, he's kind of like a local celebrity, really. <laughs> In my eyes, anyway, and he's always just been a really good friend, and uh, I would go over to his house um, last the summer before last a lot, and he would always have this band playing, and I'm like, not to sound weird, but it, it was like the voice, his voice would just stop me dead in my tracks, and then the punk behind it was like, what is this? There were three times I'm like, who is this? He's like, Red City, Red City Radio, man. Yeah. Like, Okay, and then I never checked him out until the third time. I'm like, okay, I got to go <laughs> right home and figure out what this is. And then I put it on uh, Spotify. Spotify was new to me at the time, actually. And then it just, I was talking to my mom in my living room about just something totally random. The kids were playing, and I, uh, this song came on, and right in the mid-sentence, my eyes welled up with tears. Yeah. When that first line came out, and it, it was like, I'm, it was just the feeling. It wasn't even the words. It was yeah. just like, I'm feeling it right now. Like, just, this is one of the greatest songs ever made. <laughs> I can't believe it. what. Is, and then my mom's like, "Are you all right?" I'm like, "I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what's happening. I'm getting really emotional right now." Whew. Yeah. Whew. Okay, I'll come back tomorrow. All right. I love you, mom. See you later. You know, I, I love that because I obviously know exactly what you're describing. Uh, it doesn't, the, the melody of the vocal line, his voice, and the way it starts, the, what I, the way I like to put it is the song puts you in the mood 
that it wants to put you in. So it doesn't matter what you're feeling, how good your day's going, whatever it is. When you hear a song that just shifts your mood to the mood of that song, I stop and pay attention because not every song does that. Not every song was the artist trying to necessarily do that. They might have been trying to accomplish something else, but this one grips you right when it goes in. It's like, all right, I'm I'm in the zone, and and uh, uh, again, I couldn't agree more that it doesn't even matter what he's singing. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's the way it's the way it's what's happening, and the funny thing is, is this song starts with the bass playing a chord, yeah. which is very not normal anyway. I, I can't think, I, I'm not saying it's never been done because I know it has, but I can't like think of another song that says, oh, th- that this starts with a, with a bass playing chords, not just a bass line. And so that makes it even more compelling that it grips you right at the start because it's not even necessarily like the, the great tone of the guitar that's meshing with it or these, this reverb in it. It is, it is a, a, a bass chord and then him coming in. And, uh, dude, I, I, when I first heard this, you, the only reason I ever heard these guys was you told me about it. And right, right as the song was going, I, I thought two things. One is, Dude, this guy's voice kind of sounds like Tyler Tomaszewski. <laughs> is this like a project he's doing? <laughs> yeah, so and, check out this band. I don't know if you ever heard of them, but uh, they're, they're pretty cool. Yeah. And then the second thing was, if I would have heard that song and you wouldn't have shown it to me, I would have said, Tyler Tomaszewski would love this song. Like, I knew instantly it was there, but it, it, I had loved it too. And the, I, I remember, I, I do remember you showing it to me. And when I heard it, it's like many other bands, and Michael and I have discussed this before, but it's like many other bands where you don't, you just for whatever reason, you just don't listen to them more. Just kind of like you said, you, you had to hear them a few times before it got you. And so when you brought this song up, and then I, right from first play, I'm like, this was the one he showed me a long time ago. I like had remembered. And then, dude, I've been listening to Red City Radio now since you showed me this. I think we talked, what was it, three, four weeks ago to yeah. set this up? Yeah. And uh, um, there were about, about two and a half weeks straight where I woke up and stuck in my head was where was was where he goes when you find yourself in a hole stop digging doing it stops and he just goes yeah Yeah. and he he says that that part um i am getting real quick right into my favorite lyric (laughs) and my favorite moment is that and i don't i don't mean to jump too far ahead here it just was so great dude i love i love that moment and then where they kick in and right after that right after the when you find yourself in a hole stop digging and he says and if you find yourself at the end you can begin again and then begins for about a minute they do they accomplish what good punk rock it's not even this isn't really punk when you consider like a fast drum beat but the spirit in this music is definitely punk the spirit of the band is definitely punk yeah. and when they start cranking the guitar lines that are going dude it's the it's the mood I want to be in when I listen to this kind of music they accomplish it very well man most certainly most certainly so dude let's let's get in what what kind of what when you thought of songs to bring to the table, why this one? Uh, I mean, as I, as I explained before, it would, this guy's voice would stop me dead in my tracks every time. And then this one, that moment with my mom, just like, I have somewhat of a photographic memory, but everybody has memories sometimes. Well, some people don't. They don't see the images in their memories. But like, 
it's real strong of me standing in my living room and my mom right there and my kids playing on the floor and the speaker in the kitchen. It was like behind my mom, <laughs> 15, 20 feet away from me, and it just took my attention away from the entire world. I was completely present in its moment. And it like I can't recall another song that's ever done that to me mm-hmm. to that extent. Um yeah, I, it's just a great song. Though that's something <clears throat> really magical. Some of those first moments with songs and bands, like you can never duplicate that kind of feeling or experience. That's that's really neat. Yeah. So, Michael, I'm I'm looking at I'm looking at the audio waves on my screen, and you have really only a couple. Would you Would you like to get a word in yeah, edgewise you here, buddy? Say something? <laughs> Sorry, buddy. What are What are you doing here? <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. Uh, I, I honestly, I, you missed the one with Brian, and I was sad about it. And, uh, <laughs> and now I feel like we're just hijacking the whole conversation. No, I think that's a very natural progression. I mean, these are like I was excited. It was cool. Like when Brandon was like, "Hey, Tyler's pumped on you know the concept, and you know we're gonna go over some songs with him." And when I was listening to your songs, it was. You know, you're someone I've wanted to get to know more anyways. There's just people that you know through other people, you know, that you just don't get to know. And so I know you and Zach have always been close. And um, I've heard some of the music you've made and I've I've dug it. But so it's kind of cool just kind of going through the, you know, the four song library that, you know, we were looking at going over with Tyler. And um so I, I honestly just expected to be more of a listener than a talker because I'm interested to hear what the songs mean to you and, and both of you, like what it does for you musically and such. So, But the one thing I'll say with where we're at on the song is I really don't feel like you can get to that point of like emotive, um, you know, captivation without feeling that way. You know what I mean? Like for the artist to be able to hit you like that and in his, you know, timber and and how the music is is culminating with those really like punctuated lines in the beginning. Like you must be like a really good faker to not like feel that. Like with your whole being. <laughs> yeah. Like I felt I felt him and the whole band come through like right away when I turned the song on. I was like, oh man, it was it was cool. Yeah. They really captured it, the magic, right? Yeah. They really like you you hear about that and it sounds a bit cliche. And sometimes you're like, yeah, man, they really did something amazing there. But just this band from Oklahoma City just takes first place for me. Like yeah. This, yeah. with this song. <laughs> like, oh god. <laughs> right in the fields. Dude, yeah. I, I watched uh I watched uh YouTube video of them playing a show live, playing playing the song. I've tried to when we get prepared for the songs. I try to watch at least a live performance maybe, but uh, I just remember thinking, watching them, if I would have seen them live when I was like 16 or 17, there'd be like no going back, dude. (laughs) I mean like this, I want to be this band right now. Uh, Yeah. They are one of those bands. I've had, as, as a musician, being in a band, writing songs and all of that, I've had those bands where... I was kind of kicking around some ideas in my head about what I would like based on my influences and what I'd like to, how I'd like to put my stamp on that and do it a little bit different. Um, and, you know, and always fighting with the idea of being too derivative, 
But this is one of those bands, kind of like We Were Promised Jetpacks or Dredge, that going into them before, before seeing them and then, like, it's almost like, well, they did it. Now I, now yeah. I can't do it. <laughs> <laughs> Stole it, like, years ago. Yeah. Because, obviously, like, We Were Promised Jetpacks or who at Red City Radio, like, they recorded this song, like, five, six years ago. Five, yeah, I think it was 2013, maybe, the album Seven years ago, yeah. so Beat Me to the Punch yeah. by five-something <laughs> years. Not actually, I mean, not to say they're derivative. They definitely have their own spice on punk rock. But, like, I've always, growing up, I've always listened to punk, like, as soon as I heard. I mean, it started with Green Day and No Effects is a lot of, like, cusp millennials and everything, and, like, later portion of Generation X we're getting into that that early 90s kind of the new mainstream punk thing and then there was the cool DIY punk like no effects which i got into later but um see when you say the cool DIY punk when too cool for school <clears throat> punk yeah yeah <laughs> i remember growing up with tony my brother and it was fun listening to punk music with tony because he loved it just as much as i did and i didn't really have a lot of people Back then, like metal music, I've, I said in the previous podcast that I can't listen to a whole bunch of metal all at once, even now. And I got, I didn't get into metal as early as I got into rock and roll and punk. And punk really gripped me. But back then, what's funny is, is if you would have played this song for me when I was 16, I would have absolutely loved it, but I would have also yelled at you for calling it punk. Yeah, I yeah. I would have ap- I would yeah. have wanted to be this band and I would have wanted to rock this music, but I would have said, "Don't you dare call it punk," because punk had to have fast drums and be raw. And even like MXPX back then, yeah. when it, like they were considered pop punk, and there was this there was this stigma about pop punk. Well, it had to be raw. Right. And and I I think about it now, and what's funny is I really really love a lot of raw punk. You know, like Ninety Pound Wuss and even the Crucified back then. It had a lot of raw stuff and like Descendants. You brought a song to the table we were considering maybe called Coffee Mug. Yeah. That's way more raw than like a, the No Effects, especially later No Effects. Some yeah, early I've no even effects heard No Effects raw. be called Pop Punk. And exactly. I'm like, Wait, what? Really? Yeah, but- <laughs> it's it's just because it's polished. It's so polished. It's yeah. so polished, mm. and they're so good though that like it actually translates very well. And of course, Blink One Eighty Two would be like a pop punk, you know, and, and those kinds of things. And those uh, they had that like stigma that the underground raw, as you called it, di. DIY, yeah. that that was kind of like which no effects. Well, they, they Fat Mike Epitaph kind of yeah. too revolutionized. Correct, like, being bands being able to do that, not being part of the big what was then the five and is now like the two about to be the one. Yeah, huge <laughs> record label, and th- that that yeah. was foreseen in the last like when I went to school in like two thousand five about that stuff. They're like it'll yeah. it'll be one eventually. <laughs> Then yeah. all the little ones spring up, and but see now, now with a song like this, I would be okay with calling this within the punk genre because the spirit behind this music it has that. And what what does it mostly for me? See, the drums, fast drums, kind of defined punk, especially in my younger years, and still kind of would a little bit now. But uh, guitar tone matters for punk. The distortion in punk music is is on its own playing field, just like distortion for metal is, or just like, you know, overdrive, like a good overdriven tone would be for, you know, like a, like a rock and roll guitarist. And so 
punk distortion, they're, they're, it's just like Dillinger 4. Their distortion is very reminiscent of punk, and even though they don't get a super fast punk beat going, like, you can't listen to Dillinger 4 in this and not, like, it's, it's, it's in and the punk And that growly genre. bass. And the, yeah, like, exactly. The that, nasally bit, yep. And that's another thing You're about just, just the overall texture of the music. What I found out about this band, and I think this record, is that it was produced by someone who used to produce and maybe, maybe engineer something for Fat Records. Oh, so okay. then, like, and I found it out after the fact. I'm like, well, that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, like, I love the, yeah. <laughs> I love this texture <laughs> of it, and it's like it was made by somebody who makes fat, who made Fat Records music with Fat Records bands. So it's like, well, Fat Records is my favorite record label, so it makes mm-hmm. sense that I like this. Well, <clears throat> I think we would be remiss, even though we both said before it, w- it didn't have anything to do with the lyrics. I do think that. Um, while it, while I would agree that it's not necessarily the lyrics in and of themselves that grip you when you first hear it, they do go along with the music. I mean, they're not totally out there. Super they, inspirational, yes. super life affirming. Like, wouldn't you love well. all of these cliches in one song I know. <laughs> to just build you up and say it's going to be okay, man? Because you are an effing juggernaut. You yeah. can. An Dude. unstoppable force. Exactly. Let's <clears throat> Red, Red City Radio is it, they they ha, they bring about quite a few cliches in many of their songs actually. Yeah. Yeah. And I like how you said that though. Dude, let's just compile them into one yeah. and have it just be this this big burst of inspiration. Yeah. Well, let <clears throat> let's go back to that. What what have these lyrics done for you before? Like what what have they what kind of utility has this song had for you through the words it sounds like it's inspired you before yeah i mean i when i heard it i was just going through a pretty rough time emotionally uh like in in my relationship um and there was a lot of, i was i was in a huge revolution of thought how i see myself just this whole rebirth and how i see the world and my place in it and how I should treat other people, right? And like I thought I had a handle on it before, and then all of a sudden just got smacked in the face like, I don't know anything about this. I don't know anything about how to be a good person. Or like, like I thought I had an idea. I had a little bit of an idea, but it's just like to really have true empathy. But that's kind of after where this song is for me because it inspired me to... Like when I realized that it was my reality was unmade, like it was completely earth shattering to me. And it was like this song was like, dude, you're in a lot of pain, and like a lot of people go through that. And but another part of it too is like, well, you know, kind of with your ignorance, you've brought yourself here. Mm. And when you when you find yourself in a hole, stop digging, and now you can start over realign and just go mm-hmm. and, and learn and keep learning and and trying to do good and be good and i i think the specific pain that when you say pain that i think he's mentioning in this is is specifically self-pity because when he's right. saying i can't believe i let something so petty change the way i act and you know he says i would walk around with my head down like i was the one who was doing something wrong and even when when you're growing when you're getting older when you're discovering yourself a little bit you do have uh there is a sense of of self pity and then as you kind of come out of that and you and you you reflect you look at it it's like you know what i have made mistakes that is true 
Yeah. And there are things that I am ashamed of. There are there are people that I've talked to in ways that I shouldn't have possibly. But uh but to walk around with with your head down in that that you don't that's not like the the price you have to pay because of that. Yeah. You know, there there's there's a time to move on and and uh uh and get past that. I I think the older I think the older you get it does become more natural to just stop digging the hole. Right. Well, you're more aware. You see that you're even mm-hmm. doing it because once you find, <laughs> like, wow, I really thought this was how life was supposed to be and I could just act this way and things would work out. But it's like, oh, no, you, we all have to work on ourselves. It's all our <laughs> own responsibility to find our joy, success, happiness. And once you figure that out, I, f- I feel like it's crossing the threshold into, like, authentic empathy just being able to realize that your slice of reality or truth is only a little bit of the entire human experience and that there's no irrefutable truth. I mean, there are facts and everything, right? But going forward, once you figure out that you don't have it all figured out, you're constantly hungry for more information, more perspective, and it just feeds your drive to just ascend to i don't know what's the word enlightenment i don't i don't know what it is yeah. just like no I, yeah yeah i i think i like that word i think that's one of the many words that i i think that hopefully like we'll continue to embrace more because i think there's this you know 21st century like cynicism that has really kind of done away with words like fulfillment and enlightenment you yeah. know and this like overbearing sarcasm in it and that, that i mean what you're talking about is states of enlightenment and i think it's cool that you channel that through a music listening experience obviously and being a musician um yeah and i think there's a maturity in the song because there are like typical you know uplifting you know cliche type um tropes in this live laugh love yeah, yeah, but they do the trick sometimes. But though. they humble it. That that when you find yourself in a hole, stop digging. Um, that really adds a maturity to the song. You know, it keeps it a little more tethered to things that you can relate. It's like okay, all right. You know, it's it's not like oh, the world's done me wrong or like this world right. is so messed up. It's like, hey, asshole, you you done hurting <laughs> yourself and other people. And then, but it right. also I noticed. Not only does it talk about the problem, but it gives like a solution because I like later in the song. And if you find yourself at the end, you can begin again. And I just dig that. I, I think it, you know, speaks to. Yeah, it's like in recovery, this is like a common theme of like when you get enlightened and when you get encouraged, like, hey, one thing at a time, because what's going to happen now is you're excited. You're going to go start making changes. And what's going to happen you're going to fail. So yeah. when you fail, <laughs> just temper yourself and keep going. Yeah. Well, <clears throat> I have a, a... So my favorite lyric is, when you find yourself in a hole, stop digging. And it's actually... It, it's, it's my favorite part of the song, favorite moment of the song, because it fits so well. And I, I really wish that... It's not that I wish I wrote those lyrics, because I've said in life... Uh, you know, don't don't dig a hole any deeper when you find out you're like I, the concept is very common. People know it, but the moment they create musically, 
fits so well with that phrase that if I would have written, if you find yourself in a hole or when you find yourself in a hole, stop digging, I would have wanted it to sound exactly the way they do it. It, it, is, it, it is great. But, but I, I guess let's get into kind of those things. What, Michael, do you have a favorite? Do you have a favorite lyric in the song? I, I mean, I think that kind of has to be like everyone's favorite in a way, maybe not, but I mean, that is just, uh, just a wonderful part, but mine, there was something charming about, um, and I can't wait until the morning to admit that something's wrong. I don't know. There's something really endearing to me about that. It's like picturing someone like at night come into this realization and they're, they're feeling, you know, run down, but they're like ready to be renewed. You know what I mean? Like come morning, like, all right, I'm ready to like set the record straight. Like I've been, you know, whatever these hands have been doing has not been working, but I'm, I'm ready to like let that go. So I don't know. I thought there was, it was pretty an enduring line. So that, that would be mine. Yeah. I got very similar imagery with that one. It's, it's not like, I, it's hard to pick a favorite, but that like, cause I've been there those sleepless nights when you're up in the middle of the night and you're, it, the future is so uncertain and you're just like ravaged with like post-traumatic stress. You're just ravaged with all of these anxieties about how things are going to go. But you found out, like, I can't wait to start on the track and, like, admit it, right? Like, and that's the first step, like, owning it and then moving forward. And then it's 3.30 in the morning. And, say, the office that you got to call to, to say that, doesn't open till eight. And you're like, oh, I can't. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is like torture because I'm so ready to go. I'm yeah. so ready to like just start making changes. But my favorite lyric, I mean, and it kind of gets into a nerdy element, not in the way that Brandon gets nerdy, but I'm going to go with comic yeah. books. Yeah, get go <laughs> go straight into the nerd then. Let's do it. Well, it's a, I, I, don't, I don't know if you, I'll, I'll just say I am an effing juggernaut. Right. I hope you appreciate. I said N effing. Hey, hey, I appreciate. Yeah. It. Um, and me, and you as well. I guess you're an English major, right? That's or I yeah you write. I yeah. I am yeah I sorry. The only reason I reacted, educated in the English I literally language. just changed my major, and the only reason I looked at you is like I'm like obsessed with like being honest. So my reaction was like, oh no, Tyler, actually I just changed. But I'm like, yeah, fucking, it's English. So yeah. Anyways, keep going. Okay. <laughs> that okay. It's just the idea of being an unstoppable force and like, uh, you know, determined rather than stubborn versus like an immovable object, right? Um, a juggernaut just moves through its progress, its forward rather than just being unmoved and unchanged. Um, and my whole, my whole goal is to develop and change. So like, like, conviction versus ignorance type of thing where where it just evokes all of these thoughts of like we'll do something with the power instead of just standing still and i think one of the one of their albums is also the dangers of standing still and it, it goes in line with i am an effing juggernaut right like you can't i cannot be stopped once i am focused and aligned and have the awareness i like be unstoppable uh, burst through all obstacles to success, whatever it means, joy, enlightenment, happiness. Um, but the nerd thing was juggernaut, 
X-Men character from Russia, Red, Russia, Red City, Moscow, Red hey. City Radio. Hey, there you go. Yeah. I, I just made a connect. You Dude. Know, wow. Juggernaut. That's and some conspiracy big, you remember stuff the big, right there. <laughs> the big red juggernaut. Is, yeah. <laughs> so the juggernaut X-Men character is he so he's a uh, in he's the a villain, comic book. In the well, if if it's any sort of American production, I would I I'm not surprised that the Russian is the yeah, adversary. Yeah. But um we've got some political history with that. Yeah. Um but a little bit. Uh so <laughs> in that world, the juggernaut is from Russia. It's a Russian character. I believe in the X-Men so. world? Okay, yeah. cool. Do you, li- do you like, are you like a comic book person? Or was, are you kind of like I the universe? I was, and it kind of cut off as soon as I heard no effects. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah, I'm totally into this now. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> so I have some, but I don't watch like the superhero movie. I don't watch the Marvel movies or anything. Yeah. I think the last one I saw was uh, the first Tobey Maguire Spider-Man. Oh, okay. I may have seen one of the Avengers or something, but I'm just not. Yeah. I'm not uh, into that too much. But it re- I remember the word juggernaut is not used <laughs> very often, yeah. and it, it evokes the image of juggernaut just like through walls. Dude, you're right. It, yeah. that, that word is definitely, it's not used often yeah. at all in lyrics. Very, it, it, or, it's, or in common just, language. Just even, yeah. If, <laughs> somebody, if somebody were to say it, you know, you're right. You're right. If somebody would say it, it'd be kind of be like, wait, yeah, wait, why'd you pick that word? Yeah, yeah for sure. <laughs> there aren't very many unstoppable no. forces. I, I think I'm gonna try and I'm gonna try and use that. Like if someone's dominant in conversation, I'm gonna call them a social juggernaut. Yeah. <laughs> Whoa. I, think, I think I'm gonna sorry, I don't know. Now I want to use that word. Yeah. <clears throat> so did you find any nerd level details, Michael? I, I, I know when it comes to I, I focused on mostly the the lyrics on all these songs because I figured you two would have enough to talk about when it came to the music. Um, yeah, no, let's go to you, Brandon. <laughs> <laughs> well, my mine requires a little bit of show and tell. Yes. Uh, so, sorry, guys, but I, I I could just explain this, but I think like I could just say this to Tyler and I know he would get it. But if somebody doesn't know uh, chord progressions, it might be easier to hear it than for me to just talk about it. So when the song starts, the progression that they're using, um, this song gives you a perfect example. Uh, Okay, let me start over by saying, it is not common practice that you begin a phrase in music on the one, which you have 12 notes to choose from in most music, it, it, in, in American music that you're going to listen to, there are 12 notes to really choose from. And uh, uh, in any key, when you're in any key, you're usually messing with seven. Um, and again, anybody can say, yeah, but what about this? And, and I get it. But I'm just talking about for the most part. So if the song is in the key of D, that's the one. That's your number one. And then if you, if you go to, uh, then you can go to the fifth, you can go to the fourth, you can go to the sixth note. And so there, there are seven of those that, that you could go to. And a very common chord progression is one, five, six, four, okay, which would be like D, A, B minor to G if you're in the key of D. Think like, damn it, by Blink-182. Yeah. There's actually... Yeah. The progression he just did. There's actually this really cool YouTube video that these guys play 
bunches and bunches of songs and one dude's just playing the guitar and he's playing that chord progression and then they sing like 20 or 30 oh hot, is that that mad hot, tv one uh, maybe i don't honestly i don't know who did it yeah. but it's actually very clever and it, it it will open your eyes to like okay all these songs have the same progression this this song has a similar progression instead of one five six four it's one six five four but then they go back to the one and why that's important is is most most rock songs many other kinds of songs they say four chord rock because they're really just switching between four chords in a phrase but uh it's not common practice that you start a phrase on the one and you also end it with the one and then the next phrase you begin and you're still on the same chord. It can be very weird and uh, uh, it's not common practice. But this song does it beautifully and so much that I, I bet people wouldn't even notice that he's doing it, even that listen to music and know what that means, but it's not common. So if, if you, most people would maybe play the progression like this. So this is five, this is four, right? But what he does is he cuts the four off and goes. Oh. But anyway, uh, if, if you listen to it, uh, I, cut, I cut the phrasing uh, quicker just to get through it because the chords ring out a lot faster than what yeah. I'm doing. But uh, I just found that interesting because uh, most most songs don't end on the one and then begin again on the one. And as a, as a nerd thing, uh, I don't think you could write a better song that does that. Man. Yeah, that didn't occur to me. Like I know I know quite a bit about music theory, and like there's resolves like to an, the end of a song. There are a lot of like the end of the song ends on one kind of, but. Yeah, you're right. It does just, it kind of has this loop of it keeps resolving itself. It's it a cycle. And it's a building cycle, which kind of like gets like this idea of if you look at the dynamics of the song, it's two long crescendos. I mean, there's like an explosion in the middle mm -hmm. with the, <clears throat> when you find yourself in a hole stop. And then there's kind of like that realignment to go again. But I found it so. Like the chord progression, there's you've talked about the formula before. It's like intro, verse, verse chorus, chord, sure. verse, chorus, maybe a bridge, and then maybe a verse, and then a chorus, and then it's mm -hmm. out. Throw an instrumental in there or something. But there's like they have they have this whole and I made a chart. I don't know if you <laughs> I'm not gonna go into all of that, but I have it doesn't follow that. Yeah, so you can kind of see it here, but it goes all the way up there. And it's like it slowly builds. More more instruments get involved, and it's just this cycle. The chord progression is just the same cycle, pretty much, over and over again. <clears throat> and I just thought it was very refreshing. Not a lot of people can step outside of that formula and make it something interesting, unless it's just. I mean, a lot of people do it, but it but it's just very to the point. The, the structure, the music, the lyrics, it all fits this theme of rising and then like, bam, stop, realign, mm -hmm. build, 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 and then it's just this 
explosion of feeling and good times yeah. feeling good <laughs> like just inspiration what, I, yeah what what was what was special to me about noticing that they end on they begin on the one and end on the one is that the reason um the reason certain chord progressions work are in so are in so many common songs is because um certain uh chords provide tension based on where they're at so home when you're talking about a progression home is number one and so that's your that in this case what i'm playing it's it's hitting the d this song is actually in c sharp i'm just playing it in d because it's easier on the acoustic right now but um uh if if it's in the key of d then d is home and what creates the ultimate tension is actually the fifth of the of of whatever key that you're in and so it 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 makes you want to get back home and nothing creates more tension than either the fifth or the seventh within the, within the, uh, the key signature. And so many, many people end, end the phrases with those four will, four will either want to take you back to five or take you home. And, uh, this one was cool. But I also wanted to talk a little nerd level detail that I think you might, Overtones sometimes, like in that guitar lead in the buildup, the da na 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 na. Yeah. All those, all those higher ones. This happens sometimes in music, and I don't, I never know if it's intentional or a happy accident. But sometimes, when the overtones take over the timbre, timbre is just like the sound of the note of the instrument being played, and you can't tell. Like what fret is being played? You know what the note is, but sometimes it'll like toss in thirds of that note, fifths mm -hmm. of that note. We're like, like it's a chord, but he's just playing one note, and it just happens. The amplifier with the feedback and the sound coming back at the pickups creates this illusion that it's much higher or much lower yeah. than the actual note is, and it. it I just. Going through that, I noticed that, and I thought it was, oh, it's another one of those things. Yeah, man. <laughs> that I don't know what's going on. That's actually my, my favorite musical element of the song. Are They are the guitar lines, that the second guitar lines, especially in the, the little music break that they have. I think it starts at minute 116. Um, but uh, it made me smile, because with you picking this song, uh, that part of the song would be a perfect example that if there were a Shaggy song that had the equivalent, I would have come with the progression and then Tyler would have just made it awesome by creating the second <laughs> guitar line. And it just made me smile a little bit because that, it was very fitting that you brought it uh, because that's what you're, in my mind, kind of a master at is writing those, those second guitar lines. And in this particular song, it is my favorite musical element. So it, it kind of it added to it. Yeah. I actually did have a nerd level detail for the lyrics. Go ahead, bud. <clears throat> so I'll just say that one quick. Uh, I do like that he doesn't try and work in much rhyme scheme at all, but when he does on the line, so I'll take a deep breath of fresh air and exhale the fire from my lungs. There's that line. like, uh, so there's enjambment, which is just leaving a line incomplete and then going on to the next line in, in poetry. But there's an imperfect rhyme enjambment here. So deep breath of fresh air and exhale. I don't know, the air and exhale, it, it kind of adds to this kind of like anthem, you know? It's like a, like a drum beat, like 
uh, lyrically, he's he's building up. And, and yeah, and then and then it just explodes from there. So I thought that was cool. That and then of songs I left unsung, that line resolves in and exhale the fire from my lungs. So it's always nice when uh, vocalists kind of just save any sort of. Um, rhyming or intentional poetic structure for maybe like once in the song, you know, because if they try and do like the same thing like four times, it's like, all right, man, like I get it, like you wore that out, but he just does it once and then then lets it go. So, well, <clears throat> what's the life application? Oh God, you would ask me that. You go first, Tyler. This is your song. <laughs> <laughs> I think I said it before. Just like bust through life's obstacles. I mean, not uninformed, but like, like figuring stuff out, you need to listen to somebody other than yourself. I mean, your truth comes from you, but your truth isn't the only truth. And like once it's like a tool, once you get that, you can really just like, ah, it all makes sense. Now I can, now everything is just, I can get out of my own way. And just blast a path forward. That I mean, that and it's in the back of my head all the time. Like, how can I, how can I learn more? How can I get another perspective on this? Yeah, I would piggyback off that and say, when you find yourself in a hole, stop digging. Like with what Tyler said, it's really tough for me to do that without people in my life, yeah. without people in my life that care about me enough that are willing to tell me the things I don't want to hear. Because I'm a pretty stubborn person at times, and I don't like to hear certain things. Um, but when we do become open to hearing, like how we're putting ourselves in holes by other people, it's it's very helpful, you know. So, yeah, I mean, and and you meet those people in life. Like we all know people who um, are kind of stuck on playing the victim, and that's as far as they get. And they don't have a lot of people in their life that they're willing to take advice from. And then you know those people that you meet that are pretty open, you know, and pretty open to what you have to say to them. And that's a really refreshing characteristic, I think. Well, I'm glad <clears throat> glad you used the word victim in there because that's a bit of where where my life application is in this. You're using the the him referencing the self pity of I would walk around with my head down like I was the one who was doing something wrong. I think that there's a balance within anyone. And to what Tyler's saying with being, you know, with being an unmovable force as a juggernaut and, and getting past challenges. And I do, I do like how you put, because I didn't think, I didn't think it listening to the song, but it makes a lot of sense the way you put, it's not like a mountain that just sits there and you can't, you know, you can't get past it. It's actually on the move and moving forward. And <clears throat> self-pity, um, to, to a lot of people, they mistake humility with self-pity and so you have these people that can act like unstoppable forces that go out uninformed and don't care about the people they're running over yeah and then you have these people on the other side that are wallowing in self-pity feeling like they're humble and that this other guy's just being a jerk moving past and and there's there's these total these these two total dynamics and this song takes you from living that life of self-pity to get past it to being that juggernaut and and i think that uh uh 
what I, what I would want to believe the artist would want you to learn as you go through this is you're not becoming a juggernaut to just walk all over everybody as somebody that was in self-pity, getting past that, yet staying humble and then moving forward and moving past that. There's a lot in there. There's a lot in there because that, that doesn't take months. That takes years and maybe a lifetime to be lifetime. able to, yeah, to be able to yeah. live a life of humility that doesn't wallow in self-pity, yet doesn't walk over a bunch of people and can still have the confidence to move forward. And, and that imagery that they create within the song, I think there is a very deep life lesson that even myself would say, I want to find that balance. I want to find that balance. So, yeah, I'll, I'll throw this in because I was just talking to a dear friend yesterday about humility and he was talking to me about how there's some confidence in humility. And I was really interested by that point. So like when someone compliments you, like it, you know, it's false humility when you just start like, like denigrating their compliment, you know, it's like, Oh man, Hey, great, great song you wrote. And you're like, Oh man, you know, it's this and that, but to just be able to look at them and say, you know, thank you. And if a, a, a little part of you just wants to believe them without becoming inflated, you know, be able to compliment yours. There's, there's something really neat about that. So I think this kind of being, you know, moved, I think there are things that we can compliment ourselves on while staying modest. You know, it is possible. It's a difficult balance, though. It's a difficult balance. It sure balance. is. Just yeah. like on a last note, what you're talking about with that, like, I've been guilty of... Like, when I was a kid, I didn't know how to take a compliment. I've been performing most of my life since I was, like, six, seven years old, picked up a guitar at nine, and have been playing for people ever since when I was a teenager um, at church. I'd play in the praise team, and people would compliment me and be like, man, it's really good to have a guitar up in here, and you really sang that song really well, and I really enjoyed that, and I just didn't know how to take it. I didn't have the tools, right? But even later in life... Then you go to the other side of it where you're just like, well, you know, yeah, <laughs> the, middle, the, the correct response is, thank you very much. I appreciate that. <laughs> but then sometimes you get to joke about it a little bit and you kind of get high on your own supply mm -hmm. of ego and you're just like, yeah, it's not arrogant if you're that good, right? <laughs> and you're kind of joking, but other people don't realize you are. You're like, I got to cut that out. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, man, I, I, uh, I really appreciate you taking the time it's been good to yeah, catch this up this is great it's great seeing both of you guys yeah yeah, yeah absolutely fun. man yeah we'll we'll do this again soon